Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Karlsson, IPP MVP himself, Brian Com. Brian, how's it going? It's going great, Elon. I'm happy to be back after a week off. I really, uh, Mike Amato was amazing from Goalie Post and Dauber Hockey and Sportsnet. So thanks, Mike, for being on. But I'm very happy to be back in the saddle here with you, Elon, on an all-star break weekend. And I got to be honest, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. That's about nice. the all-star break and i i see like we also have some people some patrons in our chat who can watch our live recordings as, as one of the perks but norm in the chat was saying like you know to be honest i am uh i'm feeling good about like i honestly welcome this break in fantasy hockey is exactly what norm said word for word and i i agree like i think it's a good moment to just like take stocks not even take stock but just like stop checking my team 14 times a day and regain some of that brain space for what's going to be a pretty grueling run to the playoffs to be a pretty against the odds run but i have turned it around with three straight wins nice go in for i have to win out so i, I still have to win uh one two three four five more in a row oh, if i want to even think about playoffs i think I think I've got a chance at it. But anyway, it's been nice to have the the brain break, but I'm happy to jump back in to this episode with you and, uh, yeah, get our fantasy brains going again. Yeah, we got to get churning here because games are starting tomorrow. Not too many games, actually. Between Monday and, and Friday, it's still a pretty light schedule. And then a monster Saturday coming up. We've talked about this schedule of coming to death on like short shifts and on my last matchup maximizer. But uh, one thing we did in the previous matchup maximizer that I just released is since we'd already talked about this upcoming second half of the matchup is I focused on the fantasy playoffs and started like looking ahead at some important schedules that we're going to have to care about. So definitely go check that out. And we're going to be kind of doing something similar here as well. Brian and I don't have too much news. We have a little bit of news that we'll start the show with but after we get through that yeah we're just gonna take a look at what's been going on in the season so far and actually do a redraft of the first few rounds of the keeping carlson alto patron fantasy league if we were drafting right now for the rest of the season I think it'll be fun to just see like who we would be picking where, who's falling a lot, who's rising a lot. And yeah, I think that'll just be a fun conversation. We've got a lot of people in the chat here who could hopefully chirp at us and let us know if they think we're making any bad picks. And I think this is going to be a really fun show. Yeah, like Brian said, to kind of get our brains uh, cooking again on what's going on. But I think we've done with Short Shifts, some great shows this past week with Shams, Jeremy and Lewis. I think they've covered like the, you know, streamer level guys you want to be looking at right now. You know, for example, all the Seattle and Anaheim guys with their good schedule coming up. 
Of course, two teams with really good schedules next week are the Islanders and the Vancouver Canucks, who, while some teams are only playing one time in this coming week, both of those teams play four times, and both of those teams were also involved in a major news headline last week. So, Brian, of course, we're going to need to discuss that before we do anything. And another place where that was discussed was at DauberHockey.com, which is the site that proudly presents this podcast. Definitely check out Dauber Hockey. They had a lot of great analysis on the big Bo Horvat for Beauvilliers, Aturat. Okay, but I don't like, okay, Aturati is how it's spelled. Someone was saying how you're supposed to pronounce like Aturatu. I feel like it's going to be the kind of thing, what if now every single podcast I'm going to say Aturatu and then people are going to be tweeting at us being like, who's this Aturatu? It's Aturatu. Why don't you say it right? Okay, well, it's a little confusing because, yeah, you pronounce his name Aturatu in Finland, but the last time, like in the official NHL pronunciation guide, it is like it's spelled out or pronounced out as Rati, which means that Art Atu has asked, like mentioned to North American media, like how how do you want your name pronounced? That would that's what he's chosen. All right, good. So Easy. now, it, it, if he wants it that way, who are we <laughs> to not oblige him? So Atu Rati, I think, is the is the realistic pronunciation. We'll see how. Uh, how commentators call his name once he starts playing NHL games or if that changes. We'll keep a close eye on the media guide, all right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we'll see even if he warrants discussion on this podcast because obviously he still needs to, you know, make the team full time and and do something. So we're probably not going to be focusing too much on Atu Rati on this episode. But yeah, we should probably talk about the two big pieces going to each side. Let's start on the Islanders where, yeah, they get Bo Horvat. There was a lot of speculation on short shifts about like what the lines are going to be and the power play and luckily uh we got it all here though ethan sears uh was tweeting out islanders practice lines today and of course shams was retweeting them they're all up on gamedaytweets.com so let's take a quick look here the islanders were running as a lot of people were expecting matt barzal on the wing horvat centering barzal and bailey then they kept that nelson lee palmary line together because they're the only line that's been scoring for the teams that would be crazy to split them up and then yeah that bumps like peugeot parise holmstrom whatever that's the third line so An even strength, a very interesting situation for Barzal. We haven't seen him not play center for a while. Apparently, he's terrible at face-offs. That's a reason why it makes sense to move him to the wing. Potentially a great spot for Josh Bailey, but it's really hard for me to get excited about Josh Bailey at this point. I feel like maybe he'll give you a a stray assist every now and then. Then I think maybe even more interesting is we saw even some power play practice lines, and it looks like they just went with the top five players. I know Jeremy was suggesting maybe Anders Lee plays net front and Horvat plays net front, so maybe they might want to just bump Lee and keep Palmieri, who had been doing okay there, but no, they're going with Dobson, who's healthy, by the way, which is nice. Dobson as the quarterback, then Nelson, Horvat, Barzal, and then Lee as the net front. So it's just our, our best five guys there on the power play. So I guess the big takeaway here is that maybe Kyle Palmieri isn't as exciting a streamer as he was looking like last week when he was on this great line and also on the top power play. He's being bumped by Horvat. Um, and I guess well, also, I guess a big discussion. Uh, let me throw this to you, Brian. Some discussion from Prince in our Discord about Barzal in general. Is this good? Barzal's been on this terrible cold streak, save for an overtime goal recently. Do we think now going to the wing, playing with Horvat, it's got to be good, right? Like, I don't want to get too excited without seeing things actually play out a little bit. But I think if you have Barzal, this is kind of like, you know, a lifeline here. Yeah, I feel like there's some like post hawk analysis going on with Barzal right now saying, oh yeah, he's better on the wing. The center role's too big for him. Even though he's had 
some pretty substantial success producing at center, including for at least the first quarter of this season. And, and then a little more beyond that, where we were like, whoa, Matt Barzal is crushing it. Like, he looks for real. Uh, what a great season he's having. And we see it all as being sustainable. So we expect him to keep being able to do it. And then he falls off that pace. And, you know, we're, we're going, we're revision, we're revising that take now saying, oh, too, again, too much responsibility at center. But honestly, I'm interested in seeing Matt Barzell at wing and seeing how he does. I mean, his most successful offensive seasons have all, like, he's only ever played center, right? The, the, the big difference in that rookie season back in 17-18, which was the only season where he's paced over a point per game in his pr- career, or over 72 points in his career, was because he was playing with Tavares on the power play. And Tavares was just, like, converting, like, nobody's business, and Barzal was doing a great job feeding him. Since then, Barzal, while he hasn't reached those heights, he's been really consistent as, like, a 65-70 point player. And right now, Barzal is still at that 69 point piece this year so we'll see if having Horvat who is a I mean obviously we, we we've heard so much since the trade and we were talking about it on the show how Horvat is finishing on too many of his shots this year for it to be sustainable but Horvat is still generally like the last two seasons before this one Horvat's converted at 15 percent like this guy's a goal scorer right 30 goals last season uh, was a real breakout for him. He's already matched that total 31 goals through 49 games this year, but that's because of a a shooting percentage spike that we don't expect to last. But I wouldn't be surprised if Horvat is a 30 to 40 goal scorer for years to come. And why wouldn't Matt Barzell be able to benefit from playing wing with him? So I'm a, it's an exciting moment, especially with how much Barzell's production has been sagging to see what Barzell can do and whether uh, also like Horvat's arrival on the power play could help. Horvat has 24 power play goals over his last 120 games, uh, like obviously one of the leading power play goal getters on the Canucks. So that's a that's a huge guy to be bringing along. And like I said, I'm not saying Bo Horvat is John Tavares, but I am saying that he might be uh, the best goal scorer to appear on that Isles power play since John Tavares, which is good news for Matt Barzell. Yeah, by the way, Horvat's going to be there for a while. He decided an eight-year contract extension today. So the Islanders going big on Bo Horvat. And why not with the season he's having? It'll be interesting to see how things play out. I will just remind people that when there is a player going to a new team and it's a new situation like things could change quickly right like if things don't click they could change the lines they could change the power play so don't just like lock in and like same with uh on vancouver right like people are getting kind of excited anthony bovillier is looking like he's going to be starting his tenure with the canucks according to this tweet by ian mcintyre on the top line with kuzmenko and Elias petterson so that's a very good spot to be actually probably the best spot you could be though i guess at the same time Ilya mikhaev spent some time this year with kuzmenko and petterson it's not like he was uh flying off the shelves in fantasy leagues so we'll see how Beauvillier does. He's someone who at one point had a lot of promise. And we've at times on the podcast said, oh, he's looking good. He's in a good spot. Just stream him in. But he's never been able to hold fantasy relevance. But I am interested to see if these lines will hold. If they do hold, by the way, the other lines look not great. Like in terms of like Brock Besser with Pod Colson and Sheldon Drees. I don't love that. Garland Miller and Dakota Joshua. So I don't know. I get like JT Miller is really good. I, I'm sure he'll be fine wherever he's playing. We'll see if he can bring, like, you know, it's basically Besser and Miller are going to kind of going to have to carry lines. No disrespect to Connor Garland, I guess was also decent. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see, but also I can see things changing quickly. So that said, like Beauvillier, by the way, if he's available in your league right now, I definitely stream him in now. Like why not? He plays three times in the next four days. 
give him that trial on your team. You could always drop him after that. It's, he's on the top line. Right? I don't know if it's going to last, but while he's there, I would definitely not leave him in free agency. Yeah, I mean, I was actually trying to figure out how much I wanted Beauvillier because, you know, you want the shiny new toy. It's really exciting. You feel like there's going to be a lot coming with that. But like you said, Elon, one concern with a player changing teams is, well, they're changing teams, new system, new teammates, new coach. That's that's tough. All right. It's not it's not doesn't makes a lot of things iffier than if they were just staying put, although staying put for Beauvillier wasn't great either. So this can't be worse you would think uh but one other reason why i'm not i'm at least a little tentative about this team change for Beauvillier is it comes at the exact same moment that rick tockett has arrived in vancouver and his job is to i think like be really boring is my guess like implement structure play defense don't let any players get you know too far ahead of themselves or be let loose too much on offense uh, that that's my concern about Bovillier going to Vancouver it's not I, I don't know it's going to be a great showcase place because what we want for Bovillier, which is okay give him the puck start taking shots let's see what your upside is doesn't really jibe with what Rick Tockett's mandate is right now but does that mean you're like concerned also about like Pedersen and about JT Miller yeah a little except those guys like they already have the the credit and the rep to be able to go out and do their thing and be offensive whereas Beauvillier one we don't know who he is two he's got a I think he's he's probably going to be made to earn some kind of opportunity and not to have things be handed to him uh unlike Pedersen and Miller who have already earned their looks and opportunities so uh, yeah like uh, that that's just where I'm at with it I, I I'd say it's a different situation for Beauvillier versus uh, Pedersen and Miller it's an interesting question though I also for Beauvillier uh by the way I did add him too like I'm hoping that he does something like rejuvenated this might be the first time that he's really not like he had much room to play with on Long Island anyway for for any period of time over the last several years uh just looking down the depth chart you know Besser's down on the third line so that could could be an easy swap if Beauvillier does something coach doesn't like really quickly. We have Garland on the second line, too, where I imagine he's going to stay. But Garland had some success. Like, that's where he sort of made his name under Rick Tockett in Arizona. And uh, I'm just curious. Like, I had a Beauvillier, but I'm curious to find out whether he turns out to be the better stream than I had Garland and Dakota Joshua available to me, too. And both were sort of appealing for different reasons, but I, I'm hopeful that Bovilla will have some of this new team magic playing on the top line. I'm happy to see him there. And like you said, Elon, I'm happy to give him the tryout and see where this goes. Yeah, I mean, I probably just would recommend that people don't like tear their hair out too much about like a decision like this. Like, this is like a three-day stream and then you reassess, right? And I don't think at the end of the day this is going to make or break your season. So you just go with, you know, I'm going to go with the top liner, right? If I'm making the stream, and I, I'm definitely not saying I'm 100% confident, but I would say if I'm picking one of those Canucks, give me the one playing with Pedersen and Kuzmenko on the top line. And then, you know, you'll, we'll be able to reassess really soon. I'm sure that we'll get some new updated insights on the Short Shifts episodes that are going to be coming up later this week with uh, Shams, Lewis, and Jeremy. But Okay, I guess uh, let's look at, over some other lines. It was really fun today, actually, seeing the line combinations come in from different teams because it's been so long since we've seen some updates and some teams are trying some different things coming out of the break. So I'm just going to kind of run through them really quickly, Brian, and you can tell me if you have any interesting takes here. But like Pittsburgh looks like they went back to Raquel playing with Crosby and Gensel for a while. Rust was on that top line, but now it's back to Raquel there. I assume Raquel's also on the top power play. I, I, we haven't seen any power play lines, so 
I like that. But, you know, Raquel's been doing fine also on the Malkin Zucker line. And that's where Rust is now uh, in Minnesota. Sam Steele still said, you know, he's cold, but he's still centering Zuccarello and Kaprizov at practice today. We'll see if he can hold that for the rest of the year. I guess at the trade deadline, it would be nice for Minnesota to probably get like a legit, like established top line center. Bo Horvat would have probably fit in really well there, but I guess that's not happening. Uh, then I guess another one that was interesting in New Jersey we had lines tweeted of Hishir, Brad, and Palat, and then Hughes playing with Zetterlund and Sharon Govich. So, you know, there's been times when Tomas Tatar has been in the top six in a good spot, so he's fallen off. But I, I could see this, like, switching again really quickly. But for now, like, when Sharon Govich plays with Hughes, he generally does, like, pretty well. I don't know how long it's going to last, but he's interesting to me. And I guess also, like, Andre Palat has been kind of blah, but if he's playing with Hishir and Brad, that's also a pretty good guy to look at. Uh, what else here do we have? Here? Bertuzzi playing on the top line in Detroit with Raymond and Larkin. Or Larkin wasn't at practice today, but basically like it was a stand-in. So that's kind of back to what we expected going into the season. So maybe this will be an opportunity for Tyler Bertuzzi to kind of get going again. Uh, so I think that's kind of interesting. And then Perron, Kopp, and Rasmussen on, on line too. So I don't know. None of Ugh, them. Become, so, yeah. so boring. <laughs> but you know, uh, one point of interest that we definitely need to mention is uh, I've been watching Prashanth Iyer on on Twitter, get increasingly excited over the last little bit about, well, maybe not increasingly excited, but drawing attention to what Jacob Vrana is doing in the AHL, who, uh, like, remember, he was waived, nobody claimed him, he, uh, we all guessed why and what's going on, whatever, doesn't matter. The fact is he he started real slow in uh, in the AHL, but lately, he has really picked it up. Uh, in Prashant's words, Vrana has caught fire in Grand Rapids. Six goals and eight points in his last seven games while getting almost four shots on goal per game, which is are, are great numbers. And he posted a chart showing his game score uh, with data from a, a Twitter account I actually didn't know, at AHL Tracker, which has uh, gathers some AHL stats, which is really nice and lovely so i gave them a follow because it's important to know sometimes what's going on in the ahl like this but verona being hot makes me wonder how far he is from maybe getting his next look with the big team and uh i at least like he's on my watch list in basically every league but i get i guess the moral here is if you have an na spot available to you i would put him in it oh, at yeah. this point if, if you have an open one and if you don't have an na spot available to you just be ready because I feel like this is a nice, this could be a moment is all I'm saying. Like he's hot in the AHL. There's like a clean break from like from the all-star break and a clean start where he could be brought in and just join the team when everybody else is returning or a little later, I guess. I, I'm not saying any of this will happen, but I'm keeping a close eye on things. I mean, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> like he's getting paid 5.25 mil not to like just stay in the AHL all season, even if he's playing well, like they sent him down. They wanted him to get his game back or whatever, get it, get everything sorted. And if he, if he's doing well like that, they'd be crazy not to bring him up. Like why, why not? It's not as if uh, they don't have room. Like currently, like if we look at the rest of the lines, wh- what are we looking at here? Berggren with Valeno and Fabry and then Kubalik with Sunkfist and Zadina. Oh yeah. Zadina's back. Well, I, don't know, I guess so someone will have to get waived. I don't know. Maybe actually it is going to be a little tricky, but there, yeah. there might be an injury well, at some point. I, I saw something today with Adam Earn being waived. Oh, yeah. And uh, assuming he clears, that opens then that opens a spot. So uh, that, I think that's something to keep your eye on. Yeah. Or I guess even if he does, if he clears or not, that opens a spot, right? Right. Once, <laughs> once, once that yeah. processes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, definitely I would be watching for that. And yes, I can't imagine anyone else 
for this season that you'd rather have in your NA spot right now? Like if you have Cal Peterson in there. Yeah. Or <laughs> there. I was almost afraid to say it, Elon, because I'm still feeling the impact of your eye roll from the last time I brought up Cal Peterson. Well, but you what? jinxed uh you jinxed Copley. He had a really bummer of a game right before the All-Star break. Well, that's <laughs> why I mentioned Cal Peterson was because we were seeing Copley struggle for the first time in a little while. Yeah. He like had like one Copley, really uh, well, he had one bad game, then he had a couple good games, and then another bad yeah. game. So it's been uh, I'm just taking a look at his last like it's it's been very up and down. He hasn't put together two consecutive good starts since uh since late December. Now or mid mid to late December, even though he's won ten of his last fourteen decisions, Copley is an eight ninety in his last uh, fourteen outings. Yeah, no, it's a little bit concerning if you're so banking. Great, on great him. record, yeah, great record, some great performances, but some uh, it's uh, it's almost it's Martin Jones like right in in Seattle. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, definitely I wouldn't be like uh, betting my season on Phoenix Copley, right? Like he's a great like if he's in free agency, I'm still into him. Like you know, but. If you have the option to trade him for a more established number one goalie, then you probably want to do that. Like, if you can get, like, you know, Detroit's goalie, for example, Vili Husso, who, you know, at times has been, all like, struggling a lot. I'd still rather Husso than Copley if I'm comparing them just because I'm at least confident he's going to get the majority of the starts moving forward. Um, but anyhow, oh, yeah, some other news out of Detroit, by the way. Uh, Hironic got hurt in practice today, so whatever right like stash him in your ir hope he's okay <laughs> yeah he was just recently injured as well so i i don't know if you saw elon whether this is something that's been re-aggravated or that we need to pay close to like that could be a longer or nagging thing but like you said it's just you just put him in your ir yeah and then, and then mo yeah. cider now gets to hang on the top power play for sure and not go to second power play sometimes so that's good he's he's bounced back a little bit uh i guess another interesting set of lines which was already happening a bit before uh stamkos point and kucherov on the top line for uh, tampa bay in their latest practice so if that holds long term obviously that stinks for hegel who was really enjoying playing with kucherov and point but i think they change that around pretty often and hegel still gets top power play so i'm not saying to drop hegel but at the same time if you could you know if you could trade him for someone who is in a better spot and that's having a similar season you know obviously you know tweeted us at keeping carlson i was like to say that with with the options i'm not saying hegel is done but maybe he's someone that you have to be a little bit nervous about if he's going to be bumped from that top line uh permanently yeah as you said we've seen this shifted and bounced uh, a whole bunch so who knows how long this lasts but as you mentioned, Elon, if you have Hagel, then you got to be keeping an eye on those line combos because extended time away from the top line situation for Hagel means that he's probably going to turn out to be a snoozer until his next turn up there. Yeah. Not, not a snoozer, but maybe not like as productive. Depends how deep your league is, I guess. Yeah. He's, he's shown to be a really good player. Like, what a trade and signing by Tampa Bay. Did they end up extending him? I know they traded uh, Chicago for him and gave up not even... What did they give? Like a first? I guess I don't remember that. I remember at the time he came, then like it would seem like almost a little underwhelming, like he wasn't producing that well, but obviously it's turning out to be a really another smart trade by the Tampa Bay Lightning to pick up a depth player. He's got yeah, he's got two more year like he's got one more year after this one on the contract that he signed with Chicago at one and a half million dollars. Yeah, so really just pretty good. great for someone you can plug in to your top six and not worry about it all. They're good. They're smart. Yeah, t- uh, Tampa does this. They got is same thing with Nick Paul, right? Just oh, yeah. plucked him. Boom. This guy's good. We want him. And then they extended him for a long time. But also for like not that much money, right? 
Yeah, he's, he's making just over $3 million for at least, I'm just looking at Cat Friendly, one, two, three, four, five more seasons after this one. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's a pretty solid contract for, again, somebody who can play in your middle six and you don't ever have to, like, he's going to help you. There's nothing you have to worry about. He's yeah. locked in, yeah, for six more seasons at a crazy good cap hit. It's really interesting what Tampa Bay does. We could do a whole podcast about, like, why they've been so successful. But, yeah, they spend money where they need to. This is what LA did. This is what every like post-dynasty team does, right? Because they have all their core pieces still in play, and then as they can't afford the role players like in Tampa, uh, I don't, well, Barkley Goudreau wasn't there very long, but uh, I don't know. I'm struggling to name. There's other guys that I can't generate off the top. Andre Palat, Tyler Johnson, whatever. You you find other guys who can come in and play a role. LA did this too. Eventually, you just have too many of these role-playing guys once your core ages out and your window closes. But for now, this this has been the method. And if I'm thinking back, I think Chicago did the same thing too when they were winning cups. But I don't know, Brian. Like, I guess this is definitely not the topic of this show. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought it was like they, these teams had like the other criticism, right? Like Chicago would like thank their players who contributed by giving them contracts they shouldn't have like i was yes. like tampa bay i feel like is doing things in a really smart way not like chicago like yeah. they just their best superstar players they give the big contracts and then everyone else it's like palat get out of here tyler johnson get out of here like we're not giving you a big contract we're just going to get cheaper guys to fill out your role yeah well i i think tampa i think i think their management is savvy enough to have learned and seen the mistakes of the past because la is just finding their way out of the woods now chicago well, yeah, that's why I was surprised when you were comparing to what Tampa's doing to those teams. I feel like LA also, they spent like so much on Dustin Brown and they spent so much on like all... For sure. Yeah. Right. So so I think where Tampa has the, the core part of their cap well allocated, whereas like you said, LA and Chicago rewarded past performance a lot and, and threw their money at that and then filled up their team with role players, which didn't work because the players who had performed in the past, locking them up long term, didn't turn out to be a good idea. But Tampa hasn't, I don't think they've fallen. Like, I, I don't know, if I, if I look at Tampa's cap-friendly chart, I don't know who I'm going to see with a deal that I, like, disagree with. I, I mean, Braden Point yeah. for nine nine and a half for a while is a little rich, but it probably... But he's worth like, it. He's their, he's their top center. That's the cost, <laughs> right, that's the cost of doing business. If, if Tampa's basically going studs and duds, right? Uh, yeah, I don't see a bad contract on that team. Good job. So that, that's how they're doing it. The other, the other two, LA, Chicago, they they did some bad contracts. I mean, Jonathan Quick, is this the last year? Yeah, this or does is he it. have one more? No, this, this is, is it. Yeah. yeah. Shams is saying yeah. how, like, Chicago, how everyone that leaves Chicago becomes a good player. Hagel, Strom, Kubalik, Lankin, and don't forget, obviously, Panera, though he was good when he was there. Lankin, we'll wait and see. Brian always scoffs at me. I still think Lankin might be a good NHLer one day. But okay, Brian, we're way off course now. Uh, I'll blame Shams. But okay, uh, we have this draft that we were planning on doing in this episode. So hopefully, people enjoy this little roundup of everything going on with the Lions today. Um, but yeah, we have some fun coming up as we're going to redraft the players. Uh, uh, for the couple, so the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patriot Fantasy League, we're just doing it based on our scoring. You know, so it's a 4.5 for a goal, three for an assist, and then a little bit for peripherals. And the goalies get some points. I don't even know if we're going to be drafting goalies. But yeah, we're going to get to that. And it'll be really fun to sort of discuss the ADPs of people, where they did get drafted versus where we would put them in our redraft. And of course, we'd love to hear people's feedback. So we're going to get, we're going to get into that for periods two, three, and overtime of this four-part show. But part one is done because we're going to take a break. And we'll be back soon. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. 
All right, we are back. Hopefully you enjoyed that commercial break. Um, but we've got some content for you now for the rest of the show. Unfortunately, no new NHL news since we took our break. So yeah, Brian and I are going to be doing a little bit of navel gazing on what's been going on in the first half of the season and see who we would draft if we were drafting a league. We're not just going to say like, you know, everything people did, like we're basing the draft based on that, right? It's us taking that information and then trying to project how we think the season is going to end up, who we would pick if we were drafting a new league right now until the end of the year a few small caveats before we get into it number one we're not going to take schedule into account in terms of like oh like some teams have already played a lot of games or like colorado like i discussed on the matchup maximizer has a really good playoff schedule we're just going to assume that all the teams kind of have the same number of games and the same strength of schedule moving forward we're focusing on just the players also brian wanted me to point out like if there's like a player with like an injury for like a couple weeks, like an Austin Matthews, we're not going to like count that against them for this draft. Like obviously we're not going to be picking uh Zach Wierenski or, you know, Mark Stone, someone who's out like long, long term. But we will like, yeah, not put too much weight on injuries just because then that things get confusing. Uh, but yeah, that's the plan for our redraft. So Brian, uh, we made a fancy spreadsheet, which we're going to share with the patrons. And then you use that spreadsheet to come up with uh, your picks for round one. So I guess first overall, we don't have to put too much time into this. This is the most obvious uh, pick of all time. It's the most obvious pick of all time. It's Connor McDavid. There's no doubt. He's he's a cheat code beyond a cheat code. Like last season, he was performing about 15 hundredths of a cupful point ahead of Nathan McKinnon. He was performing behind Austin Matthews. This is on an average per game basis. But like he was in the pack. And actually, Austin Matthews was the runaway player uh, with eight eight over eight and a half fancy points per game compared to McDavid's 7.8. This season, there's nobody even close to McDavid. He is more than a full point per game on average ahead of the next highest cupful scorer. Uh, I already feel like we spent too much time on him. So let's give him his credit and his due and say, way to go, Connor McDavid. You are first overall with a bullet with several bullets. I don't even really understand what that saying is all about, but I, uh, fallout boy played the all-star game, right? So there's my fallout boy reference for the episode <laughs> and all-star game reference for the episode. Although, you know, uh, one thing worse than a boring all-star game is Twitter during a boring all-star game. Like, like people complaining about why it's so boring. Oh my God. And like, yeah, everyone's complaining. Are these like, goalies I- even trying? Yeah, and like, are, is your complaint going to be like the new novel complaint that makes, oh yeah, that was a good one. Like that was better than the other complaints. I saw some novel complaints, I guess, about how people really hate, was it Brady Kachuk or Matthew Kachuk? One of the Kachuks like pulled down Jack Hughes and they're like, that could have really been serious. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, as as I think, was it Mark Lazarus, someone on, or someone mentioned, like it's for the kids and the sponsors and the host city. Like, that's it. That's the all-star game. Let's, it is what it is. So, uh, but I, I support all the calls for dodgeball that were being thrown out there. Random player skill competitions <laughs> that have nothing to do with hockey. I'm in. Uh, anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to wade into that. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, yeah. The all-star game is in Toronto next next year. Should I go? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's not talk about that. Uh, but I will say about Connor McDavid, uh, speaking of the all-star game, it was kind of cool how he decided not to play in the fastest skater because he wanted to do accuracy shooting, and then he went four for four. This guy's he's incredible. So that's another yeah. reason to put him number one. <laughs> what I want to know is why isn't Connor McDavid in every single skills competition? Like, give him the opportunity to sweep. I want to see it happen. Could you imagine? Yeah, or maybe what they should do is like have 
each like skill competition where it's like not McDavid in any of them. And then each winner goes and has a one-on-one with McDavid afterwards. Cause, cause he's just that good. Yeah. Like this. And like, I feel like everyone would agree, you know, like in some circumstances that might breed jealousy or unfairness or why are you focusing? But he's really left little doubt, especially by his kick up full performances here, which puts him at first And Elon. I might even, I don't know if I could have McDavid and it means I had to trade away my second pick. I would I would consider it because of how well he's doing. But okay, uh, let's move to number two, since number one is not controversial at all. This is tough. Uh, I'm very interested to know where you're going to go here because okay. this is not obvious to me. I could it, think of like three or four names you could go with here. Yeah, it's, it's not obvious. And I'm going to go with uh, positional eligibility as a tiebreaker here, which is a hint that I'm not taking Nathan McKinnon. But I am going to take... Uh, hearkening back to the days where you'd pick Spezza, Albertson, and Heatley as like the top three in a draft, I'm going to take <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl. No one would the... do that. <laughs> Only you what? would do that. <laughs> Everyone did it. Top three in the draft? <laughs> okay, maybe not. Maybe it was, sorry, maybe it was a top two. Maybe it was a Spezza and Albertson top two. No, it, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Did Spezza win the Art Ross ever? Did Albertson win the Art Ross ever? I don't think so. I don't know, but they, but they were both like sure shot 100 plus point scorers. Wasn't like Crosby in the league at that point? I don't know. Okay. Okay, fine. So just someone fact check Elon or I on that. Uh, I'm glad I brought you so much joy with that idea. I don't know. I'm thinking back to pools that we were in. Hey, I guess you usually won, so I shouldn't argue. In the offline days, it seemed like Spezza. And in my, like, I'm thinking back to the the fantasy hockey yearbooks, the magazines I used to buy. First overall, Alfredson. Second overall, Spezza. Third overall, Heatley, fourth overall Havlat, fifth overall Radic Bonk. That, that, is, that is how one of my local pools played out for sure. <laughs> okay, but I'm going Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Uh, because, because why not? I mean, it's it's kind of a tight pack, and I guess I'll, I'll name the other guys as we, as we keep going. But just give me the guy who is wrecking the league this year again, and like we're not... We're almost not noticing how much he is because of Connor McDavid. Drysaddle's on a 130-point pace. And here's the interesting part about what he's doing. Well, first off, he has 36 power play points in 48 games. He had 41 in 80 games last year. But two years ago, he had 32 in 56. So... This isn't completely unprecedented for Dreisaitl, but it is huge. And it's going to be a bit of a theme through a couple players in the first round here. And I, I looked into this. I mean, like, why? Because I looked at Dreisaitl's power play numbers, and I don't see anything being completely out of the ordinary here. Like, his point production is up, but there's no odd variance compared to past years. And one thing I did find out is that uh, based on, like, compared to last year, the Oilers are pacing to have 50 more power play opportunities over 82 games this season. So, like, to put that in, in real numbers, they have 175 power play opportunities already after 51 games. I couldn't find their after 51 games number from last year, but last year they had, I think it was around 250 total. And if you do the math, they're pacing for 290, uh, or they had 240 total last year. In any case, Drysaddle is putting up similar power play production numbers to last year, except the Oilers are getting more power plays. And this is a guy who's going to point on, you know, 70% of the power play goals that are scored while he's on the ice. So you add 40 power play goals or 35, gives them to the second unit and give Dreisaitl a point on 70% of those. And maybe that explains what's going on here. The Oilers are also shooting 23% 
with the man advantage, which is a big spike from last year. But I don't think anything in Edmonton with McDavid on the ice and Drysaddle can be considered a spike. Like, this just is. All right, Brian, I'll go make the next pick here. We could kind of do a back and forth type thing. We're not drafting against each other. We're just kind of, uh, you know, collaborating on how we think this redraft would go. But it's fun to take turns. I'm curious to know if you'll agree here. If I had third overall pick at this point, I'd probably just go with Nathan McKinnon. And yeah, actually, he's not the next highest in terms of fantasy points per game. There is a guy who's higher than him, who I guess we'll get to in a little bit. But McKinnon is taking more shots than the person ahead of him. Uh, so I, in the end of the day, like, you know, he already has 100 or 120 point pace 54 points in 37 games also colorado's had like injuries they've been dealing with that i guess like including his injury but i feel like when the team comes back at full strength i could see him even taking on another gear plus just the fact that colorado isn't like guaranteed a playoff spot at this point they're, like i just feel like they might have like you know more reason like play him more for him to really like go off to like propel this team to success so yeah i know he's a center but also i've kind of come to realize that i don't really care so much about position eligibility as much as i used to in drafts like center left wing right wing they're all pretty like similar to me so give me mckinnon here is that who you would have gone with yeah it is and norm is pointing out in the chat that mckinnon is taking more shots per game than the scrub at number one mcdavid so you know if that's a reason to at least say yeah well his shots are good enough and i'm with you elon i'd also go mckinnon who i think this season has been great and could be greater If not for, uh, you know, these guys at the top end of the table, we don't talk very much about because like everything is generally pretty hunky dory, even uh, a subpar season, which technically McKinnon is having is uh, he's on a he's on pace for career high points, 120 point pace with 54 points over 37 games. Insane. Right. And over five shots per game, just wild. Uh, But one of the reasons for McKinnon potentially having more upside than he's shown and a reason to take him over Pasternak, who is ranked second behind McDavid and could cut full average points per game, is uh, McKinnon's only scored this season on 6.9% of his shots at five on five. Uh, That's less than we would expect. Uh, And overall, 7% of his shots, and that includes power play. This would be the lowest shooting percentage he's had since 1617, which was when he was still like, oh, is he ever going to break out? He's sort of flirting with 60 points. Is he going to get there? And then when that shooting percentage did finally uh, unregress, progress towards what we could expect it to be, that's when McKinnon has become a perennial 100-point player. And so that's... That's why I am okay with taking McKinnon uh, here above Pasternak, even though Pasternak has been performing better. And uh, you know what? I'm even going to extend that to the next pick, Elon, with Miko Rantanen. I would take Miko Rantanen fourth overall if we were redrafting today uh, because his on-ice shooting percentage right now is below 8%, which is the first time in three years that it's been below 11%. Uh, this guy, since, I mean, since being linked up with McKinnon full-time and since being able to come into his own Miko Rantanen has just been someone that you can completely rely on in all situations and I think he's just being uh, even though again like McKinnon it's like well the reason he's not doing better than 104 point pace might be that uh, McKinnon isn't scoring he's not picking up as many goals as he nor- or assists as he normally would on McKinnon goals. So I think there's more upside here, which is what we're looking for with these topics, right? They're all going to be amazing, but we're looking to see who could really blow it out of the water. And I could see McKinnon and Rantanen both improving on their paces in the second half of the season, which is scary to say because of how well they're doing. 
But there is some variance that seems to be uh, slowing them down at least just a little. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the first pick that veers pretty far from the, you know, ADPs. Like, we have the Kakupful ADPs available of where these players were getting drafted on average in our Kakupful divisions. And Rantanen was generally like a ninth or 10th pick in most leagues. And you're bringing him all the way up to four, which, you know, only a five slot difference isn't that much like later in the draft. But at this point, it's pretty huge. That means you're having him ahead of, yeah, some big stars. So obviously, you have big thought you know, big plans for him. And I guess, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to expect, like he's really broken out as like someone who like, especially how well he played with McKinnon out was like super impressive. So I guess I'm not here to argue with you about it, but also you well, can, well, it's okay because we got to move on to the next pick anyways. And uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to probably just, especially with our caveat that we made that we're not accounting for injuries. I'd probably go Austin Matthews at four like he's probably the guy he, he was getting taken generally second overall in draft so i think we've let him fall further enough now to fall fall to fourth or i guess fifth now uh but you know the, i know the leaves on one hand like it's like the leaves don't have as much to play for since they're almost guaranteed to play against tampa but i think matthews is just like so good like such a good bet to score a goal every single game i know he's like been a little cold hopefully he comes back from his injury and is 100 so maybe there's a bit of a risk here versus some other guys you can take but yeah fifth overall I think you just got to go Matthews. And he does have more fantasy points per game so far than Rantanen, just by a, by a touch, 7.3 to 7.26. So, and, he, and people have been like kind of a little disappointed with Matthews' production. So if he could get back even a little bit to what he was doing last year, then I think it's a pretty sweet pick at fifth overall. Yeah, and I totally, I, I think I, I admit to a bit of hot takery with not taking Matthews at four. You know, I just wanted to have something maybe a little more interesting to say than being like, yeah, Matthews is still top four. And I think it's big to push him out of that top four where he's found his place. But my justification was that this year at even strength, he's seen a, an almost 60 second decrease per night at five on five ice time. And I think uh, also his shot totals, like, I don't know if that, well, it actually doesn't impact his shot totals, which have dipped a little bit since last year. But his shots per 60 rate, so doesn't matter how much ice time he gets per every 60 minutes, they're back to where they were before last year when he, like, juiced him, like, brought him up to another level. So just because Austin Matthews has kind of retreated to the level before this, and it's not to say he's playing at full capacity, and yeah, like, put me in a position where I'm really drafting, I, I, I'd see Matthews and Ranton is honestly pretty comparable, Um I, I, but I still, you could still definitely justify Matthews. Okay, Elon, uh, at number six, uh, I, I can't leave him on the board any longer. David Pasternak, a former top four, sort of like one of those guys who was entrenched in that first tier of drafting and has fallen out of there since with two uh, 80-something point seasons over his last two years, now in a 116-point pace, 72 points in 51 games, already 38 goals, which means he's 10 goals off his career high, uh, which was in 1920 when he had 48 goals in 70 games. So he's got 19 games to score 10 more goals. I think he does it. And then even if he doesn't, he's going to do it over the next 31, I imagine. He's only two goals off uh, his 40 goals that he scored in 72 games last year. So Pasternak is doing brilliant. And a big part of this is on the power play. And uh, interestingly, Elon, like Edmonton, Boston is also pacing to have another 30 or 40 power play opportunities over 82 games compared to last year. Because Pasternak, like Drysaddle, has uh, very similar 
power play numbers underneath the hood, but his production is way up. So the way I explain that is just that Boston is getting more power plays and Pasternak has more opportunities to score with the man advantage. So here I can't leave the second average points per game scorer on the board any longer. And I take David Pasternak at sixth overall, putting him back in with sort of that top tier of players that he was once with and that I think he's uh, he's doing a good job. Like he, he's pr- pr- produced from the second line for a lot of the season and from the top line when he's been there. So uh, yeah, that's where I've been. And I think actually after Pasternak, now, now it starts to get real interesting because we've got a, a mix of old and new names and a lot of new names who have sort of, uh, you know, weren't even first rounders or were very late first rounders over the last couple of years, but are ready to make their case. IMO. I'm curious to see where you go. Yeah. So I will say with Pasternak, uh, I think S on a recent show, you were a little bit concerned about a, a slight dip in his shooting. He had three games in a row where he had two zero and two shots after that seven, six, seven, four shots. He listens so. to the show. What can we say? <laughs> I lit like, a fire under him. He was like, Brian, come on. <laughs> I'm David Pasternak. So yeah, I can't argue with that pick. All right. I know that it would be fun for me to go with someone whose ADP was like outside of the top 10 here, but uh, I'm not a hot takery kind of guy. I'm a basic, boring person. I eat my porridge in the morning and I have a bowl of cereal before I go to bed. And Really? (laughs) What's that? Do you? Is that boring to have a bowl of cereal before you go to bed? That's what I like to do. Anyways, it sounds unconventional. Oh, okay. Well, it sounds like a hot take to me. And actually, I just bought some cashew milk today. I've never tried it before. Today, I'm going to really oh. be going crazy with my bowl Enjoy. of cereal. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with the basic pick here. It's seventh overall. Just give me Nikita Kucherov. Like, he's pretty close up here, anyways, in terms of fantasy points per game. Uh, he His ADP was like 6.2. So he has fallen. Like, well, I mean, basically, he's going here where he went in, the, in other leagues if, it, if I'm taking him here at seven. Uh, but Kucherov just having another amazing amazing season nice to see him back you know fully healthy and he's played 48 games he already has 72 points it was 123 point pace back when kucherov won the art ross trophy he did that with 128 points so he's not far off from a season that where he was like top in the league of course now there's a few guys who are are lapping him and i guess the nhl just there's more goals overall but i like kucherov's just such a sure bet to get you like a point or two every game i'm sure like if you're gambling on like how many points he'll get like it's like if you do 0.5 of over under you'd be like having to take like really bad odds against you if you wanted to take the over because it's like almost so for sure that he's going to get at least a point it's just the question if he's going to get two or more so i love kucherov he's amazing also i still will always remember his celebration when he won the cup and he talked about how playing the halves and the whole how like their stanley cup was winning the previous round i don't know the whole he's just one of these players i really love in the league and yeah so i would take him even just for that that was just for his press conferences yeah that's 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 a tiebreaker for you in in player rankings yeah i love players with good press conferences like i already loved eric carlson before and then he had that legendary press conference with the apple made me love him more so so good yeah. and and he's been so good ever since so yeah. you have a good press conference he can you have taken. a good career uh, well, i i can't wait i actually I'm, i am undecided so we'll see when <laughs> one or one or one of you or i plucks them off the board one thing i i just want to go back and mention quickly about the the power play opportunities thing um just an interesting thought, because usually what happens is the seasons begin with huge numbers, like the, the refs clamp down, right? Every every NHL season starts with a crackdown, and then they ease up. 
toward as the season goes on and we actually still are seeing that ease up happening it just started later than usual so all this stuff that i'm saying about pacing for more power play opportunities i'm not expecting teams in the second half to get as many power play opportunities as they did in the first half so it's it's something to it's just it's, it's just something interesting to ponder and it's not like a linear sort of situation where you know it, things are tapering off already for power play opportunities and i don't actually Okay, I think I've made my point. Very good. Um, all right. Uh, you went Kucherov, which definitely brings us to a bunch of guys who, uh, yeah, were drafted outside the top round in the Kukupful. By the way, this is all Kukupful scoring. Kukupful.com, KKUPFL.com, if you want to see what the scoring is. When you say it brings us to a bunch of guys, what do you mean? Because you don't know who I'm going to pick. But I guess you're, you're saying oh. the next on your list is a bunch of guys who it are going to... It brings me to a bunch of guys who, yeah, who weren't drafted in round one. Like uh, my next, I can tell you the next four guys on my list, none of them were taken in the first 14 picks. Interesting. Yeah, of the Kukupful ADP. So I'm curious to know who, uh, where you're going to go. But I'm going to go with Jack Hughes. I'm not going to think too hard about this. I think he, Jack Hughes has arrived. He's built huge on his season last year where he averaged six couple points per game, now averaging seven and three tenths. I still don't know if I should say like the decimal three six or or exactly the the best way to process that for the listener. But Jack Hughes is just crushing it. One hundred and seven point pace. Maybe that's the way to say it. Building off his ninety four point pace last season, and it all looks good. And he's only twenty one, and I think he still could do better next season. So uh, for those reasons, I think I'm I'm ready. To put Jack Hughes, like he was ADP uh, was 41st overall in this year's draft. And I'm ready to take him at seven. At, well, sorry, you took Kucherov at seven. So I, I'm ready to take Jack Hughes at eighth in uh, in our redraft. Like you say that you think he might even be better next season. I think he might be better this season. I think he already has. Like yeah. You're giving his total season numbers, which are yes. amazing, pacing for 107 points. If you just look at his like recent stretch, he's already like been exploding. Like he has 15 points in his last 8 games. His shots on goal, like he's on the season averaging four and a half shots per game, but it's like pretty rare for him to have less than four shots in a game lately. You're looking at five. There was a 10-shot game I remember against the Rangers, like and nine before that like He's exploding. He's scoring goals almost every game, becoming almost a sure thing. When I play the Tim Hortons guess the goal thing, like I usually like McDavid for sure if he's there, then Matthews, and then you know Drysaddle is usually pretty good and probably, but I would take Jack Hughes probably over Drysaddle at this point. So yeah, I definitely don't disagree with this pick. He is uh, really exploding right now. I, I can't believe I traded him in my keeper league last year. It was one of the worst, it's the worst move I've oh. ever made. Worst fantasy yeah, trade I've ever made in my life. Did you not get Pasternak though? No, I traded Hughes. Oh, you traded Pasternak with Hughes. I traded oh. Pasternak and Hughes for Kane and Zibanejad. Oh, it was the worst no. ever trade ever. That sounds so bad now. And, and I, remember I remember at the time it went down. You were I telling know, me was, that you thought I ripped the, the other guy off. I was, yeah. And, <laughs> and I wasn't alone. We all sort of like, and it was Mason, right? Twitterless Mason who mentioned like yeah you know i'm i'm taking a gamble i think this is what i need to do for my team and like holy cow gambled and won none of us saw it like the the scales tilting on that quite so quickly and of course past and anyway i don't mean to rub it in uh i'm sorry okay so we've got jack hughes at eighth overall elon who do you have at ninth you know what brian i am actually going to 
also go to someone who has an ADP a lot lower. Not not as far down as Jack Hughes, but I'm going to someone who was being taken on average uh, around 16th in drafts. And I'm going to ninth overall go with Matthew Kachuk here, who, like Hughes, not only is having a great season overall, but seems to have found another gear recently. Like he started like really crazy and we were talking about like i can't believe how well matthew kachuk's doing but actually he's you know it's not only because he was the all-star game mvp but he has 10 points in his last six games also you look at his shots lately on florida we're looking at five seven five there's a nine shot game there so he's like crushing it there um he's already up to what is it 66 points in 49 games for 110 point pace it's really hard to imagine matthew kachuk not being worth this pick at this point, like, yeah, there are some other names that you could maybe go with, but I think Kachuk has shown us because he also had this great season last year. Right. And, and now he's showing that he can do it and maybe be, be even better in Florida. So is that who you would have taken? Yeah, it is. And I like Matthew Kachuk here because we've got a, a lot of really interesting names. Some who went higher than Kachuk this year and some who went lower and some who went a lot lower. But Kachuk for me is kind of like the rock here, like not Dwayne Johnson, but someone you could like lean on. And no, that Kachuk is going to show up for me, which was in question because of moving teams, right? We said, hey, I, I, Huberto and Kachuk, I was not interested in drafting this year because big change in teams. I didn't know what would happen. And on one count, I was very right to have one on my do not draft list. And on the other count, I was not right at all to not be interested in Matthew Kachuk, although I stand by my thinking and will probably keep that thinking going forward just too much of a risk when a player changes teams like that but Matthew Kachuk has shown I mean yeah like you said Elon he was productive uh had that big breakout last season because his deployment skyrocketed as it did if I remember right on the back half of the season before that and before Kachuk was getting like all-star top-end deployment he was still a really consistent 70-point player in kind of a second-line role. So uh, this guy has performed and delivered everywhere he's been in the lineup. And Matthew Kachuk is just someone I can rely on with a still a very nice floor. So that's why I am, uh, I'm with you, Elon, that he is who I would take here. He is, like, I, I don't think any of us really had Kachuk performing better this year than he had done last year. And I'm just trying to, like, to find a reason why that he's doing better, that like might not hold up. And I I don't, at five on five, everything is as it should be. And on the power play, everything is still about as it should be. So Matthew Kachuk just making the most of a new situation. So good for him, uh, which brings us to pick number 10. And I'm going to go with, uh, you know, we're, we're leaving one guy, you know, there's a guy at the top of the board where, you know, you just pass him over because you're just not sure it's going to happen. I know Nazem Kadri was that guy in a lot of leagues this year, and uh, I'm not taking the guy at the top of the board either. He's going to hang out there a little longer while I go down the list. And uh, I'm looking at Jason Robertson and Alex Ovechkin basically having a very similar season this year in a couple points, and I'm going to take the 23-year-old turning 24 next year like this is age 23 season, Jason Robertson, 106 point pace, 33 goals in 51 games, uh, like as many as Jack Hughes. He's having a very similar season to Jack Hughes. And while Jack Hughes is 21 and maybe there's even more room for him to climb than Jason Robertson, like I think Hughes' ceiling might be higher. But Jason Robertson has also found a new level to his game. Last season, averaged three shots per game. This season, he's added a full shot per game to his totals, which means that Jason Robertson has 23 games to get 21 more shots to match 
his shooting pace from last year, which I think is going to, I think he's going to be able to do it. He might even do it in the next four or five games. So I love that Jason Robertson has added this extra shooting element to his game. His power play production has been great. Curiously, He's uh, he's not the goal scorer on the power play. He does have seven power play goals in 24 games, but it's uh, it's pretty amazing that he is not leading the team in power play goals. Do you, do you, do you want to know who is? I don't know. Pavelski? It's not Joe Pavelski, who's tied with Robertson at seven power play goals. Hints. It's not Rupe. It's not Rupe <laughs> Hints. It's five power play goals. Elon. Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben, yes, with 10 power play goals over 51 games. Uh, So way to go, Jason Robertson, for feeding, I guess, Jamie Ben enough to be able to collect 17 power play assists. Not the way I'd expect Robertson to grab his power play points, but uh, that's, anyway, I love what he's doing. I'm nonplussed that he's not the big goal scorer on the power play because he is at five on five and still room to grow. So that's a lot of, I, I said a lot about Jason Robertson there at number 10. There you go. Yeah, Jason Robertson is very, very good. <laughs> He's a very good hockey player. I'm not going to argue with that pick. I'm going to go, Brian, with a pick that I think you might disagree with here. I'm going like way. Ooh. I'm going way down the list of okay. so far fantasy points per game. This is me saying that I think the second half is going to go like much, much better than the first half. So I'm going to be curious. It's going to have to be a lot better. But I think I, I, I think I know where you're going. Okay, so this is pick number eleven. This is a guy who, in drafts, like in Kakupful this year, this wouldn't have been a hot take pick because his ADP was 13. So actually, I'm bumping him even up, which is kind of crazy now that I think about it. But I just have a hunch that at this point at 11, Alex Burkov is going to turn out to be a steal. Is that the guy you were thinking of? No, it's not. Okay. So maybe I'm wrong here. I don't know. Maybe I'll be wrong. Barkov's really started to heat up lately. Maybe I'm on a Panthers kick here. You see my Panthers hat in the back. Uh, But he's got 17 points in his last 11 games. He had a really rough start to the year. Like, no question about it. Like, everyone who drafted him, super disappointed with the production they got from him. But I like the shots lately. Four and five shots in all of his games. Uh, I know he was having some, like, issues with injuries. I'm obviously banking on him, like, being healthy for the rest of the year. I know there's, like, a lot of names of players who have been a lot better this year. So this is just me taking my shot here, okay? I think Alex Barkov is going to be back to being a first-round talent for the rest of the season. So how, how crazy is this pick? Okay. I, no, I, I like it. I like it a lot. And I think Barkov is going to provide really good value in next year's fantasy drafts from, like, the second round because he's been a, a late first-rounder and a deserving one for a while. I guess the question is, Elon, how, like, can Barkov keep up what he's been doing lately because overall on the season, like I don't see any reason to think that he's deserved a whole lot better than he's gotten. Like he's not having like a, his shooting percentage. Yeah. It's down. Uh, He's not doing as well as uh, scoring as many goals as I would expect, but eh, like not enough to to put him up to 11th. Well, take him, take a look at just the last month. Have you looked at that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. If I'm looking at the last month, I don't know, Elon. Like, these shots really only started coming on in the last four games before the break. He's currently on an 11-game point streak. I think yeah. he's just heating up. I think he's okay. starting into the Alex Barkov that we drafted. Okay, here's what happened. I, I ha- I'm going to narrate Alex Barkov's season so far. Are you ready? Go. Okay, so at the start of the year... Alex Barkov struggled without Jonathan Huberto. He was able to do, like, a lot of his business, but there were 
things shifting on the team, new coach, new line mates, new power play, and he didn't fully have it together. Just 11 points in his first 15 games, but he was he was taking almost four shots per game at that point. All right, so that's the first chunk of the season. Then uh, after that chunk, he got injured, right? Uh, he got hurt. He missed uh, six games, and then Barkov comes back on December 8th and can no longer shoot the puck. Uh, in his next, let's see here, 19 games, Alex Barkov took two or fewer shots in all but three of them, which is not like that. That's not a healthy Alex Barkov playing there. And then apparently in the break between January 21st to January 23rd, Barkov is like, I'm healed. I can shoot again. And now has 18 shots in his last four. And I feel like that's that might be the story of this season. Tough start because of a completely new scenario around him, then injured. Oh, also, he only shot 7% through his first 19 games, which means he, he should have done better than he did in that time. So, Elon, I, I like what you're doing here. Uh, the the low pick that I'm going to take next, who is also performing less than a lot of the guys that are still available on the board ahead of him, um, and worse than he was doing last season, is uh, Kel McCarr over in Colorado. I'm going to go with him 12th overall, which is a, a fall from being on average picked five or sixth, fifth or sixth in our cupful drafts this year. Uh, and I'll just cite the earlier numbers about like with Rantanen and McKinnon, similar situation. Um, the offense is still there while he's on the ice. However, the shoot, the team shooting percentage is not. And I think uh, we talked about Kale McCarr on the show a little while back saying, oh, look out, like he's turning it on. And I, I, I had this all this whole bit prepared, but I didn't I, I didn't get to share it for whatever reason. But he looks every bit as good as he was last year. But of course, the the production has not been 100 percent there. And I think that's more due to team effects rather than Kel McCarr's effect. And also Colorado's a team that a whole a whole bunch change in the offseason. So right now, McCarr is just on pace for a, a piddly 84 points versus 92 points last year. I don't think that's a reason for him to fall any lower than like six spots beyond where he was drafted last year as a super valuable defenseman that you can count on. And while there have been some high-scoring defensemen in the league this year, I don't... Like, I don't put anybody in the same tier as Kel McCarr in terms of dependability. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely like you can't argue with him. Like, he's just someone, it's kind of like a Vasilevsky. Like, maybe like he's not the top goalie every year, but you just have a hunch that if you want to bank on a defenseman here, and there's a good reason to take a defenseman in the first round just to like shore up that position, which is harder to get, uh, then yeah, McCarr is really good. Uh, there are a couple defensemen who have been producing better than him so far, but I think I would also take McCarr as the first defenseman. Whether I would take him here, it's tricky, but yeah, around here, it, I think it's a good pick. Yeah, this gets very interesting now, Brian, because yeah, like we're at 13th overall. Like, part of me, I'm not going to do it, but I'm just going to throw out a name here. Part of me wants to just like go Zach Hyman just because he's playing with McDavid and he's been so amazing. But it's just like, it's too risky. Like, I think there's a very good chance Mc, Hyman could be the pick here that turns out to be the smart pick. But like, if the lines change, I don't want to pick a guy in, a, in my first round of a fantasy draft that like I'm 
you know, counting on him sticking on the top line or else, you know, he's in trouble. So, but he, I, I do have a hunch that Hyman will end up being like worthy of a pick here just for, because of how insane of a season McDavid is having. And also like Hyman is very good. Like, you know, to not take anything away from him. Uh, I'm going to go boring again, Brian. I know that we have a lot of guys who have deserved to jump up and we've given some of them that who, who's jumped up so far a lot. Like Jason Robertson wasn't a first rounder, obviously Jack Hughes. Uh, so I'm ready for people to just come at me and be like, look, okay, boomer, like get, get with the new 2022, 2023 NHL. But I, I am going to take someone who's like not that old. I'm going to take Kirill Kaprizov, who's 25 and he was getting taken like fifth or sixth overall in fantasy drafts. And he hasn't been as good this year. Uh, as maybe people expected, like last year, Kaprizov f- paced for 109 points, but you know, he's still pacing for 101 points. Like he's not too far back. He's even shooting more than last year. So it's, I guess it's just more like some other people. Like, let's be honest. Like I, I, the player that Brian, you said that's like waiting at the top, it's Tage Thompson, right? He's like, his total points are insane. But if I'm just like predicting who I think is going to get the most points for the rest of the year, I, I want like Kaprizov. And, I, and that's I, like, Tage Thompson is coming soon. Uh, but you know, and also just recently Kaprizov has been producing pretty well. He's got seven points in his last five games. Uh, he's got some big shot games and there are also some low shot games, which I don't love. So I'm, I'm going to hope that that's just a David Pasternak situation where just a weird couple anomaly games. Also, I'm still banking on Minnesota getting a center for him. Maybe the trade deadline. I think if Minnesota wants to go for it this year, they, they need a, a center. I think uh, it's like, otherwise you, they're, they're telling their fans, like we're going to hope for the best, but likely not going to go for the cup. And I think they could have a team that could be a contender if they make that big swing. So that would obviously help Caprizo as well. So I'm gonna, going with him here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's fair. Uh, it is kind of like that boomer pick that you, you mentioned, because, I mean, it's still a, a great season for Kaprizov. Like you said, he's not. And again, we're like, we're taking these guys down a notch for marginal decreases in point totals and our expectations. But Kaprizov had 109 points last season or paced for that. Um, we thought that he might have more to show this year, which is why that 101 point pace has been kind of disappointing for him, especially because he ranks 15th amongst cupful point getters per game, which, you know, still puts him about in this territory that you're drafting him in. Um, yeah, like at five on five, he's shooting a little less bit of a low on ice shooting percentage which means that there's a chance that he should have gotten a few more points than he has just has not been like he's been super dynamic if you've watched him but we were hoping for Kaprizov to really push the envelope this year and we haven't seen that happen yet so I'm open to it still happening and like you said getting a center might help um it'll be really interesting too. like maybe the wild will get that center just as Matt Zuccarello can no longer keep up and then they'll need a winger too so they better (sighs) act sooner rather than later yeah, they do it to now. support Kaprizov. Yeah, now's the time. Uh, okay, Elon, well, this brings us to the final pick of the first round. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't do it. I can't let Tage Thompson, hmm. ranked fifth amongst cupful point getters per game this year, fall out of the first round. Like, I just, I feel like this is great value. I'm really happy to get it. And... You know, a lot of people would say, oh, but aren't aren't there red flags? Because he hasn't done this before. And we talked about this last season at the Tage Thompson breakout. No, there are no red flags here. What Tage Thompson's doing looks real and spectacular. 
200 shots already in 50 games, four shots per game. So like Jason Robertson, he's basically added another full shot per game to his his numbers this season while he's pacing for 112 points, 34 goals in 50 games, big five-on-five production. And I really think it's all earned and deserved. And uh, also 25 power play points in 50 games, which could be a, a touch high. It's definitely not as high, though, as some of the guys we were already talking about who have 30 or closing in on 40 power play points. But what Tage Thompson has managed to do on the power play also does not have, like, there's no giant variant flag saying this can't keep up. And that's been the way with Tage. And watching him, it's like, oh, my gosh, yes. And the, I, I think teams don't know how to handle Tage Thompson. I think the one caveat for him next year is that teams have enough tape after this year to see what he does as this big bodied centerman and figuring out exactly how they're going to, how they're going to contain him, come up with some kind of game plan now that they have a season and a half of him dominating to key in on. Uh, that would be my, my red flag for Tage Thompson going forward. But I, uh, like I said, I can't, there's some, there's some interesting names left on the board. Zach Hyman Elon is not one of my next few picks. So you, you can have him at the start of the second round if you want, but I like, uh, I, I'm very happy to grab Tate Thompson at the end of the first round. And if teams do have a book on him next season, I still think he has a, a dominant or near dominant performance. One that doesn't make me so sad that I grabbed him at the end of the first round. Yeah. I mean, it's rare to have a player that is capable of giving you like a 25 point cupful night. Like he's had like a two or three of them this season where he just went insane. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again. So yeah, Tage Thompson can't argue. I mean, I'd be nervous to take him in the first round. Uh, Why? Because I feel like, well, you know, okay, so for example, I'll probably go Steven Stamkos next. I'm going to go Stamkos, who I just, I don't know. Yeah, I feel comfortable. Who, who I feel warm. Is, I feel... Is averaging almost a full point per game less in our cupful scoring than Tage Thompson. And I, I understand, but I'm just, it's that's for color. No, totally. Though, again, not to, you know, Tage Thompson has been amazing, but like since like the last month, he hasn't been like that amazing. He's just been like pretty good you know like i think i think stamkos probably has more points than tage thompson over the past month like since he had that three goal hat trick like again the three goal hat trick what an idiot i am okay the, the three goals against washington like since then he's had a couple multi-point games but uh you know not the typical tage thompson that brings him to like a first round value i think but he's close but he could just do it again maybe and also he's been hurt like recently so who knows how much of, of it was that so but yeah overall on the season thompson has been great but i just don't want to buy too much on like what he's already done because you're not going to get those games back <laughs> we're predicting future games but yeah I, i'm not I'm definitely not arguing with you but yeah give me i was gonna be boring again uh, you could be the cool one and i'll be the boring guy who took it's Caprizov. usually the opposite it's very funny this this is a flip from our usual well uh, our usual look i mean <laughs> When I draft in the, this is just how I play fantasy hockey. And like, I, did, I haven't done a snake draft in Kukupful for a while. But when I'm drafting in a snake draft, I like to take the guys who I like, I'm like, no concern. Like, I'm talking the early rounds. In the later rounds, yeah, you take fun swings. If, you know, players that like, if they don't, pull, they don't you know, pan out, you can just drop them. But like, my first round picks, give me just people that I know are going to be awesome. Maybe it's not going to end up being like the perfect pick, but it's definitely not going to be someone who's going to be like a bust, you know? It's such a good thing I'm here for this content to be interesting tonight. Because like, I, I am with you, Elon. Like I, I Stamkos versus Thompson coin flip, and and I could depending on my mood on the day of the draft, I could easily take Stamkos over Thompson. So yeah. I, I hear you, but you're already heading into the second round, which means we should actually wrap up 
the first round. Maybe a quick summary. Sure. Let's do a summary and then we'll end the uh, second period of All this right. podcast. Yeah. Here, first... how about let me roll it out here. Okay. This is our combined first round redraft. And I'll just say that I'm the one who has Barkov. So come at me and not Brian, because I could be wrong. Uh, but McDavid, Drysaddle, McKinnon, Rantanen, Matthews, Pasternak, Kucherov, Hughes, Jack Hughes, I should say, uh, Matthew Kachuk, Jason Robertson, Alex Barkov, Kale McCarr, Kaprizov, Tage Thompson. And then as a bonus, first pick in the second round, <laughs> Steven Stamkos <laughs> is the one okay. I'm throwing in there. And that's going to do it. Hopefully people are enjoying this show so far. If you are, guess what? We're going to keep going for another, I don't know, 45 minutes or so uh, until we run out of time. We'll just keep making picks here. Uh, and then that's not going to be, though, on this episode. You're going to have to, well, if you have your podcast app set up properly, you could just roll into the next episode. You might not have to do anything, but you might have to go and just like click download for the next episode. Uh, but it's going to be there waiting for you in your feed. So hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed part one. We'll be back at you with part two to continue our redraft before we get back into you know fantasy action starting next week. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you soon.